I did break up with um, him outside of the buses, and then I just I said, "Get on your bus!" Like I just like. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the best. I said, I think and it's there you clear go. it's not working out for us. But like okay, really but at Nelly... its core, it was because he liked Mitt Romney and I was for Obama. Oh my god, warning to our fans, I'm manic today. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you quarantine queens and kings and court jesters and knights in chatting armor. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens, our podcast where we analyze feminism and pop culture media. I'm Nellie. And I'm Pate. (laughs) We want to quickly give a big woohoo to our new president and vice president elect. This is a step in the right direction for our country. There's still so much work to be done, but now we're spreading love rather than hate. And I don't know. I'm this past weekend was like the happiest weekend I've had since the pandemic hit. So overall, we're gonna talk more about we're gonna talk more about our weekend, but just want to give a shout out right up top for our, our pals Joe and Kamala. Shout out Joe Biden. Me and Nellie straight up just send each other TikToks, or I send Nellie <laughs> of Joe Biden He's being in love with cute. Joe Biden. <laughs> like literally, Nes- Leslie Nope, who's like, obs- I'm not obsessed with Joe Biden, but like you know the episode when she's like, yeah. I was thinking a lot this weekend about how badly I would like to go to a dance party with Kamala Harris, but anyway, before Nellie, we dive into what did into- you do this weekend? <laughs> Yeah. Tell the, tell the tell the world. Yeah. So before we dive into our our content for today, um, we'll talk a little bit about this weekend. Um. Well. Okay. So let's just talk about the fact that last week was just okay. Also, it's gonna now be. I don't know when this episode is coming out. <laughs> so election week, whatever week that was, whether it was last week or two weeks ago, whenever you're listening, um. That was just one long Tuesday. It was like a five-day long Tuesday. Um, Mm. And I don't know about y'all, but I was just glued to CNN, MSNBC. Honestly, I was even watching a little bit of Fox News just to see the other side. Y'all know I don't watch that shit. Dude, same. Um, I was like on Fox News' Instagram because I'm like, if Fox News is calling it for Joe Biden... That's Fox News was calling stuff before other places. And I was like, all right. Fox News called Arizona, like, so early. But, I was like, um, thank you. We'll take it. Yeah, I was like, I'll take that. But I don't know. So, like, Tuesday night, I went to bed feeling, honestly, really worried. And my, I remember I fell asleep on the couch. I got a little bit um, – had a little bit of wine. And my mom was like – my mom woke me up at, like, 2 a.m. after, like, she had been watching the coverage and I had fallen asleep on the couch and she was like it's looking pretty grim and I was like and I got like deja (laughs) from 2016 but then we kind of start to like we started to see stuff turn around and then on Saturday I had had a friend um come visit and we were sitting on the on my deck and we had just gone on a little walk and we were just like sitting on my deck and I like pulled out my phone and it was like breaking like Joe Biden is the like is the projected presidential elect at like 11 a.m. and I was just like ah 
Okay. Like, I was just like, all right. Um, So I actually saw my five, like, my, like, five closest friends, like, my little friend group from my study abroad program on Saturday. We're all in the New England area right now. New England. Shout out New England. We know what that means now. Shout out Pate used to not know what that means. And also apparently a lot of people don't. If you don't know what New England is, slide into my DMs. I'll tell you. Continuing Um, to be educated every day. Yeah. Education starts at feminist. (laughs) (laughs) This is all you need. Like school board out. This podcast podcast in. Oh my God. Um, And so, yeah, we did up getting it was actually really great because we were in Cambridge like we're in the city and so which I hadn't done really since the pandemic had hit I went into the city um I had gone in and maybe in June to go to a Black Lives Matter protest but other than that I had not like gone into the city to like do things and we went um had like and it was a beautiful day it was like 70 degrees which is like not common in November in Massachusetts. And so then we went and got tacos and margaritas and sat outside. Um, and honestly, just like my happiest weekend since the pandemic It truly, like, I think I honestly forgot what like true joy felt like until this weekend, which God said, I'm going to reward you for being in all blue state by giving you 70 degree weather. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it was so like fun. There was all this like honking and, like just like joy in the streets and like cars driving by with like Biden signs and Biden flags, which I had never seen. And like, and like American flags, which like, I think right now I have kind of a negative connotation, like up until literally this weekend I'd had, like, if I saw one, I was always like eh, a little bit skeptical If someone's like, we fly an American flag at my house and we are like born and bred Democrat. But at the same time, like I, that is like in an effort to reclaim the American flag. Cause I think that oftentimes the right like d- decides that they own it. I just think that like, I felt like more unification on Saturday and I get, I, again, that speaks to where I was. Um, but it made me happy to see the flag flown and, and be like proud of it, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's I just the connotation of it recently of- has been like, so like it's been paired with the Trump flag or it's been paired with the blue lives matter flag. Like, and it's just been like kind of seen as a one-sided political party thing but that's not the case now and I think that's also something that like people who claim that Democrats hate the country because all they do is complain about it well it's like yeah we're proud of it now because people are fighting for like a better future and like if we didn't care about our country then yeah we would like leave or yeah we would give up but I think what am I trying to say like if you actually really care about something and you think there's a flaw in it, fix it instead of just giving up. And I think that's like super patriotic. Yeah. And I feel like a country where, I mean, regardless of how you feel about Kamala Harris and her policies, like I think, uh, which like, again, regardless, like she is a queen and she is the first of many things to be in the white house. And like, she is the first woman person of color to be in the vice presidential role like I just think to be in a country where someone like Kamala Harris can be in the role that she's in like I'm proud to like wave an American flag now in a way that I wasn't before last week so um I would just like all those like Republican women or maybe okay not Republican women I would just like all those people who recently on their Instagram story were like 
I'm so empowered by Amy Cohen Barrett. I don't know her name. Amy I don't know Coney her name. Barrett. Whatever. ACB. That everyone's like, she's so empowering. Like, isn't it no. great to have a woman in this position? Like, first no. working mother on the Supreme Court. I'm like, first off, she's not the first mother. I don't know. Working that mother, sure. Yeah. She's not the first mother on the Supreme Court. Um, she's not sorry. empowering for women. And where are you on your Instagram story celebrating the first woman vice president? Nowhere. So it's like, yeah. you don't actually care about women empowerment. You just care that a Republican woman was put in a position that you wanted. Like, seriously. Which is supposed to be a bipartisan position. Mm-hmm. Or non- nonpartisan position. And I... That makes me so enraged because RBG really like, even if she wasn't like, if even if her children, I think her children were grown by the time she was appointed to the Supreme Court. But yeah. the shit she did as a working mother, like she freaking carried herself and her husband through husband. grad school while raising her children. So I mean, to say that Amy Comey Barrett is paving the way of the working mother, it's just simply not true. And also to pretend like the Republican Party at all champions working women. It's just not true. I'm sorry. I will fight anyone that thinks that they are the <laughs> champions of working women. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sure there are Republicans that are working women. They exist. But it just goes back to like our original episodes when we were talking about Phyllis Schlafly, who basically is like, women are supposed to be homemakers and they're not supposed to work. But then she built her career on that rhetoric. It's just fucking bullshit i'm sorry i'm cursing but makes me so angry um we other just election I, yeah, I just popped off we're like simply still in the intro um <laughs> this is gonna be a sorry, guys. episode we just it's our 25th episode <laughs> we um, can rent a car <laughs> another just a quick election update just because i know we talked about it a bit in our last episode but rank choice voting was on the ballot for massachusetts and unfortunately, it did not pass. So I'm pretty upset about that. I don't Ouchie. know why. Um, I think I'm going to be asking why. I actually was texting with Danner, who was our last guest. If you haven't listened to that episode, you still should. Like, even if the election is passed, it's still very applicable. So still listen to that episode if you haven't yet. But I – she was like, oh, like, did Rank Choice pass? And I was like, no. And I don't know why. Like, I literally don't understand. But I think that, to me, just points to, like, Massachusetts is the most educated state in um, the United States, and we still couldn't pass something like that. And I think that in itself shows that there just isn't enough common knowledge about the ways in which we can reform the election process, even in the state that is considered to be the most educated. So... I, I just want to name that. I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I think there's just obviously so much work still to be done at, at a variety of levels. Um, also, for the motherfuckers that are trying to say that there was fr- election fraud, like, I'll fight you. Uh, so, I know none of you are here. Simply none you of are, you are listening. But no, <laughs> no, no. Like, even my favorite Republican, Mitt Romney, <laughs> came out and was like, Congrats to the president-elect Joe Biden. And I'm yeah. like, Mitt, this is why you're my favorite. I Not really because I want to marry your sons, but... Did have I ever you seen the Mitt Romney's about- son? Mm, no, but I've Have heard- you seen Mitt Romney's sons? I don't really... I mean, I respect, I respect Mitt Romney because he has been very helpful in this election process, but I will say that I broke up with my first boyfriend, like my freshman year high school boyfriend. I broke up with him because he was... He was I, that was the year of the Romney-Obama um, election. So that's 2012. Is that right? 2012? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, duh, duh, duh. Um, 
that election cycle, I remember saying, to, I, I, I feel like this is not to say I have a man in my life right now, but I simply always have a man in my life around the election. But, <laughs> um, but in 2012, like my first ever boyfriend, I was like, I was like, who are you for in the 2012 election? And he was like, uh, like Romney. And I was like, broken up. <laughs> <laughs> Savage. <laughs> no, I said, actually, bye. She said, bye. I did break up with um, him outside of the buses. And then I just, I said, get on your bus. Like, I just, like, <laughs> she said, here's the bus. I said, I think and it's there you clear. go. It's not working out for us. But, like, okay, really, but at Nelly, its core, it was because he liked Mitt Romney and I was for Obama. <laughs> that makes me like, kind of sad because in 2012, I was for Romney. Well, I would have broken up with you. I know. But, I'm proof change can happen. Also, like, if this current administration has taught me anything, it's that I, and also I think my college experience has shown me, has given me the opportunity to engage more so in dialogue with folks with differing opinions of mine. But I think I value Mitt Romney in a different way than I did in 2012. So, um, oh, yeah, totes, so, totally. Um, but yeah. My real favorite Republican is John McCain, and he has passed away. So Rest it in goes peace. on to Mitt Romney. I can't think. Oh, John Kasich. He's my favorite Republican. I take that back. John we Kasich. did talk about that the last episode. He's got too much airtime on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like, I don't care about any Republicans. <laughs> I know, no, no, no. <laughs> and I'm like, you're not wrong, though. <laughs> You know, I'm just proof that, like, once you get a Twitter and educate yourself, you will become a Democrat, uh, unless you're following, um, you know, all those uh, right-wing people. And I still follow this one boy. I'm not going to name his name. But I still follow – I've unfollowed all these, like, hateful boys on my Twitter except for this one because I'm like, I need to see what they're thinking. What is that side thinking? So I go and see the tweets that he's liked, because he retweets a bunch of offensive stuff, but I know the good juicy stuff is in his liked tweets. So I go and look, and, and it is just crazy conspiracy theory stuff. And I'm like, I don't even think you're still in college. I honestly think you dropped out and you just continue to have Auburn University in your bio. But, um, Hey, educate yourself, dude. Like, don't be looking at conspiracy theories. I'm not going to say his name. Facts don't care about your feelings, bro. So look at the facts. There's no fraud. You sounded like vice. We're not saying his name. Were you going to say Ben Shapiro? No, I was going to say you sound like, um, I was going to say you sound like uh, Mike Pence, where he's like, you can have your uh-huh. own feelings. you can have your own feelings, but you can't have your own facts or something like that. Well, he like literally got Ben Shapiro's like quote because he's like the, oh. the media left. They like they don't care about the facts. All they do is like whine. That's just not. Was okay, that, like an that literally is racist. That's fucking racist. I'm sorry. Anyway, but, onto the onto Bachelor. The, onto- <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> like, also very favorite Republicans. Anyways. Yeah, we had two very big things happen during election week, and we're moving on to the other one. So So the election happened and that was great. And well, it wasn't also I was literally planning to go study abroad in Ireland on Tuesday night. I said, I know I won't get a citizenship anywhere, 
else, but maybe I can go get a master's degree in Ireland. Seriously, I thought about it. You maybe I'll that. still go. Who knows? You could still go. But then, of course, I wake up and Wisconsin and Michigan have turned to think the Lord Jesus. And then Georgia and then Pennsylvania follows. And that was just amazing. But then come Tuesday night, we get the, we get Claire Crawley in all her glory on The Bachelor. And Nellie and I just thought that we had to discuss. Well, it was on Thursday. The election was on Tuesday. Excuse I know, but me, you guys. said Tuesday. Thursday night. After dealing with the intensity of the election, Nellie and I had the grand idea to finally talk about the one, the only, the iconic, The Bachelorette. And this is a first for feminist beings because we've never discussed reality TV. So I'm really glad that you can all be here for it, analyzing this most recent season of The Bachelorette. And if you don't watch The Bachelorette, why? I'm not, like, I don't even know if we deserve, you deserve a recap because you should be watching The Bachelorette. Um, Is it cheesy and terrible? Yes. Do I watch every season as well as recaps and analytical previews on YouTube every week? Also, yes. So don't come for me. It's it's the best it's the best TV show. I'm not even gonna say that. But it's like my guilty pleasure besides keeping up with the Kardashians. So this week on Feminist Fiends, we're gonna talk about Claire Crawley's four episode run on The Bachelorette. So yeah, just to speak to that a little bit, I had never, okay, I am, I'm like more of a Bachelorette watcher than I think the typical person might think, but I feel like the way that I watch it is it gets like to a really juicy part of the season and then people are like, you haven't watched it? And then I binge the whole thing in like a day, which is what happened with this because it's like the craziest season ever. But basically, here we go. So, like, if you didn't know, Claire Crawley was chosen to be the oldest bachelorette. She's 39 years old. And this is a big step for representation of older women on the show. And she made headlines this summer when it was announced through media outlets that she had quit the show after two weeks, claiming she had already found her match, the winner. Um, For those who don't watch the show, normally The Bachelorette or The Bachelor signs on for about nine weeks of filming. So, and it's it's a lot more weeks of episodes. Um, but Claire quitting so soon, like, was unlike anything that had ever happened. And so there were only four episodes, like Pate said. And Claire's season had a lot of interesting points that we thought we could analyze. So without further ado, let's dig in. So our... The Bachelorette's first Black Bachelorette was 2017 with Rachel Lindsay. And that was the first Black Bachelorette or Bachelor. Our first Bachelor is filming right now in 2020. And I think that's unacceptable. Should have been a while ago. But The Bachelorette isn't known for being a woke, inclusive TV. It initially started off as just The Bachelor. Like, it was, like, a few seasons of just one man dating 30 women, which I'm not going to – it's not, like, misogynistic, but it's just, like, at first – Oh, it's it is. Like, it just is. You know, like, <laughs> it's just, like, a guy it – it's, like, an excuse for a, a guy to date 30 women. And then finally they had the idea to switch it and have a woman date 30 guys. And so now I think that makes it okay for her to be, like, this constant bachelor, bachelorette without it being, like, 
you know, slimy. So Claire Crawley is the oldest bachelorette at 39 years old. And, you know, I think this came from backlash as Hannah Brown was the last bachelorette and she was only 24 years old, which is two years older than me, one year older than Nellie. And I can tell y'all that neither one of us are ready for marriage. And then with Peter being bachelor, all the girls were like 20 years old, not 20 or 25. But they were obviously all there to become Instagram influencers. Basically, Hannah and Peter's seasons back-to-back just had all these 20-year-olds trying to say that they are ready for marriage. And a lot of people had problems with that because they were so... Contestants were immature. So then they finally get Claire Crawley because she's older. And they think, oh, because she's older, like, she'll be more mature. She'll know what she wants. Not a good bachelorette. And, I mean, it was some great drama for us, but she was also probably the most annoying person I've ever witnessed on TV besides Sean Hannity. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Yeah, I guess I'll just like dive in by saying The Bachelor is the type of show I love to hate mm-hmm. or hate to, hate to love probably mm-hmm. more so. Like I really have a lot of problems with like I definitely am addicted to these I don't know love marriage reality tv shows and it's funny because like my scholarship in undergrad like specifically looked at like how marriage is like an inherently patriarchal thing so it's like wild that then I had this kind of guilty pleasure for shows that in the end resulted in marriage more or less um and I do think that some shows have made an effort to be more inclusive especially in terms of um like, there's this show called Are You the One? I think you and I have talked about it before, Pete. Um, not on the pod, but just in general. And they do, they have more, inc- like, queer, inclu- they have a more queer inclusive season um, that has all, like, bisexual um, identifying people as contestants for the show. And it's really hard to do. Well, it's not hard to do, but it's really hard to find shows that are queer, like this, that are queer inclusive. They're all very heteronormative and then also I just think they make you feel kind of like I just feel kind of gross when I watch them I'm not gonna lie um just because I think that it doesn't align with not that not that there's anything wrong with it but it just doesn't align with my personal goals in life like I don't see my end-all be-all goal as marriage I would love to find love but I just don't find those things to be interconnected and I think that's important to name um it just calls into question like why is it that marriage is the end goal um which is honestly so applicable to the fact that they had a four episode season and basically like why why did that have to result in marriage I don't understand why they couldn't have just like left the show and like see how it goes but I do want to talk a little bit about the whole like a girl who knows what she wants um concept because I do think that like at a surface level Claire seems to be a really empowered person but it seems to me like there's a lot of work that she has to do and what's hard about talking about this and this is what's different than the things that the content that we talked about on previous episodes is that other than like the documentaries we've watched but um these are like real people it's not just characters so like I I I guess I want to name that but it seems like Claire has a lot of personal work that she has to do. And like, I do genuinely wish the best for her and Dale, but it's pretty clear to me that 
she didn't really know what she wanted because if she knew what she wanted it, it wasn't to be meeting 30 guys <laughs> like you know like I just don't think that like there's any scenario where she would have made it through that season I don't know where I'm going with this but that's my no opinion. yeah I mean I I also think that we never get the full story we get what the producers put together and I like always have to remind myself like there are so many different like so many shots of her talking to guys that we didn't get. Um, and I'm sure the production team, like, really played off, played up her obsession with Dale. But that, I don't think that's an excuse to, like, how she handled this season. Specifically when she goes on that one-on-one date with Jason and, like, asks him to bring up very personal and vulnerable stuff. Basically have a therapy session with him on the beach And then she rides off in the sunset with Dale and just kind of not ignores him, but takes all of this like emotional, not trauma, but like a very emotional conversation with this guy on their very first date and then just kind of disregards all of his feelings. And I just thought that was honestly immature because I think Claire thinks a sign of maturity is being able to be vulnerable and honest. If you are forcing someone to be vulnerable, I don't think that's like true vulnerability. I think that's you maybe being nosy. Are you talking about with Jason? Is that his name? Well, his name is Jason. Jason. There's one of the guys' name is Jason and oh, one yeah, is named Jason. Not. Is and Jason's the one who had the first one-on-one and they had to break a plate. Okay, he totally... He totally grew on me. He's probably my favorite char- like character. He's probably my favorite person now because he genuinely was like, okay, I've been played by this girl. And I'm like, yeah, you have. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, it's, it, to me, it, this in itself was the most anti-feminist part of, and I guess we'll just dive into this question because I, I really think we might as well just talk about it the whole time. But to me, to make someone be vulnerable and open up to you and then to basically treat them like shit and with no disregard for their feelings like that is like textbook of how like women are treated like not only in romantic relationships but also in they're they're punished for having feelings dang and i I do think that like claire did this to jason and Mm -hmm. it's not productive in the grand scheme of things because like it we would be a better society if more men felt comfortable opening up and being vulnerable. Like that is like part of feminism is like recognizing like the toxic masculinity that like does inhibit men from being able and also like affects like how they treat women and, and like marginalized identities, you know, like if masculinity like reigns supreme, which it does, then like more men are going to be abusive of their wives and things like that. Like there are just so many things that vulnerability and, and, and being comfortable with emotion is productive. But if like someone is able to do that and then basically be like kicked to the curb, like I just think it carries a bigger weight than just affecting one person, especially when that happens like on national television. Cause then you're like, embarrassed and so I just like I I really spoiler if you haven't watched it if you if you haven't watched it like literally you don't there are already spoilers like there are already spoilers also there are spoilers all over the internet you should still watch it if you haven't yet just because it's really interesting but 
the fact that he like decides to show up for the new bachelorette i was like yes jason i'm like rooting for him (laughs) i like literally was like oh like he has never done that which is problematic that he's never felt comfortable enough to do that and like speaks to our society but it just is like it points to the fact that like feminism is for everyone like it's not and and to me like claire was like if the roles were reversed it would have been bad and she would have been pissed if someone had treated her the way that she treated him good like segue into like other possible anti-feminist things please specifically in this season of the bachelorette i'm sure we could talk about an overarching like anti-feminist themes in the tv show as we already stated it first started off just as one man dating 30 women which is like icky and gross but now we have come to love it but um you know i think a lot of people the first episode, or the first second, second episode, a lot of people were talking about the strip dodgeball contest, and, and then consequently, Yusuf blowing up on her, so I think we could talk about both of those. Yosef? What did I call him? Yusuf? Yosef. Yusuf. I think I literally, I went to high school with a guy named Yosef, Yusuf, and that's why I just said that. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Yusuf, oh, the guy who went to high school, not shout out to Yosef. <laughs> no, he is trash. Um, but when I was first a strip dodgeball thing, I was like, haha, funny. But then, like, the more I thought about it, the more I talked to people, the more I watched my analytical YouTube channel about The Bachelorette, that is so messed up, what they did. And I, I don't think it's Claire's I honestly think it's the producer's fault. Everyone was like, Claire had these men strip butt naked. I'm like, she didn't do that. She did not plan that. Like, she probably should have been like, this is appropriate, but she is not to blame. But I think someone, like, made a really good point. Like, if the roles have been reversed and last year was like, okay, everyone strip for me, everyone would have literally lost their mind, you know? Yeah. And I was just I like, felt so gross when that was happening. I was literally like, not because I'm afraid of men's bodies, just because I literally was like, if roles were reversed, this would be literally so bad. I do think that like the whole thing with Yosef was like absolutely uncalled for. I just think that he scapegoated her. Oh, for sure. And it just, I don't know, what's so unique about this season is that it's happening within a pandemic, and I imagine that, I mean, part of me was like, does Yosef just want to go home? <laughs> like, I kind of was like, is he just trying to get out of here? Okay, like, does let's... he just want to go see his daughter? Which, like, fair enough. And I'm not trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I was literally like, where did this come from? Like, it just, like, boiled up so quickly, oh, and he... it just felt I... like, and I wish that, because, like, in that moment, Claire, like, did stand up for herself, and I was like, yeah, like, you should. Like, I was, like, I was, like, there for it, but then, like, she shouldn't have let that ruin her night. That's my opinion. Oops, maybe I should take this out. I don't well, know if it's... I don't know what I would have done in that moment. Okay, Yosef, when he was talking to her, the, his first two sentences made excellent point, made an excellent point, and he should have stopped there. But I literally think he was just doing it for attention. Knew he wasn't gonna last, so he was like, "I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna make a lot of noise and get some like fame out of this." Which 
I mean, come on. Like, it's The Bachelorette. What do we expect? But I think his first few points, he was like, I found the dodgeball game extremely disrespectful. And, like, you know, I've taken a lot of time to come here. Like, I'm spending time away from my daughter. And I just felt like that was, like, really disrespectful and inappropriate. If he had said that, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And I think Claire even was like, yeah, like, I get that. Thank you for telling me. But then he has to go on and be like, you're a hoe and you shouldn't be the mother of my child. And I expect more from the oldest bachelorette ever. And it's like, okay, that's offensive. Like that's me. It just like became about something that it wasn't about. Yeah. And it was like, I think it was just obvious that he was doing it for attention, which I think I can, I can tell because I love doing things for attention. So I can see another attention. But you are not Yosef. But I'm not evil i'm not gonna go bully someone to get on national television actually maybe i will because i want to go on the bachelor one day and maybe i will bully people the only people that deserve it you know yeah i just think that the whole dodgeball thing it was done in poor taste it was it just shouldn't, it didn't need to be done like the men were already going to be humiliated enough because they weren't going to get to continue on with the group day and mm-hmm. like she could have made them like take off their shirts. Yeah. And take off like their little headbands. But to like have to take off like their socks and their boxers, I'm sorry. Like, I did not enjoy that. And I was a viewer. <laughs> like, bottom line, I did not enjoy it. It was just simply not necessary. Yeah. Um, and it was in poor taste and it was anti feminist. Um, yeah. Another thing I want to talk about, unless we want to talk more about Yosef, do we feel good to move on from that? No, he's just an attention hoe, and I don't want to spend any more time talking about him. And honestly, he's ugly. Who let him on? I can see people thinking he's hot, though. No. And the fact that he literally has a sponsorship deal with an underwear company. where didn't he has know that. He posts pictures of him in his boxers all the time on Instagram. So oh, my God, I didn't know that. That's such a layer combined with this thing. Yeah, he obviously so he just that. probably literally had signed a thing saying that he couldn't he wouldn't have been able to do the strip down thing because he wasn't in the specific pair of boxers she needed to be in. That's oh, yeah. wild. I didn't know that. And Whoa, that literally opens up a whole other can of worms for me, honestly. One of my, like... He already stripping down naked, but then he's, like, blaming her. Okay, now yeah. I really don't like him. And then he was in Mobile, Mobile, Alabama, hello, um, like, at a restaurant watching it and, like, signing autographs and shit. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're all doing that. Yeah, but, like, he has nothing to be proud of. He yelled at a woman on TV. Well, I think that says more to the people that are asking for his autograph than it says about him. I mean, it does say a lot about him, but it says a lot about the people that are like, can I have your autograph? Who wants his autograph? Another thing I wanted to talk about was, I guess, the two kind of remaining things I want to talk about. I want to talk about that whole thing with the guy in the pool. Zach. Um, Zach, is that his name? I'm, like... 80% 80% sure that's his name. Okay. Um, so basically, this is her other one-on-one date that she goes with, other than the final one-on-one date. Um, I think she only goes on these two, yeah? It's yeah, besides the one with Dale. Besides the one with Dale, which we're going to talk about Dale next. Oh, yeah, his name's Zach J. Zach J. So she's on the day with Zach J, and they're in the pool, and he – they're, like, getting out. They're going to get ready. They were having a, like, you can tell it's awkward and artificial. I literally was uncomfortable. Which was her fault. He was trying to be 
he was doing a great job. He, like, they're getting out, and she, like, leans in to kiss him, and she stops, like, midway, and then blames him, essentially. She kind of gaslights him in that moment. Yeah, and I just think that, like, obviously what happened after that and however ways in which she was triggered, like, I totally want to honor that. And, like, but basically she gaslighted him in saying, like, what was that? When he was, like, very much going in for the kiss. Like, you can see it. Like, they're both going in for the kiss and then she stops. And so, which is, like, fine. Like, the way consent works is at any point, if you decide, I don't want to do this, you can opt out. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the way it's supposed to work. You can say no at any point, like, whether you're about to do it or, like, doing it. You know, like saying like no means no. So like in that moment, if she's pulling away and being like, no, I don't want to do that. That's fine. But she then like puts it on him. Yeah. And makes it seem like, I mean, the whole, the whole thing is that she's making it seem like she's undervalued by all of these guys when she's thinking about only one of them, which again is also fine. It just, it doesn't. That's well as a viewer, you know, like you're like her being mad when they don't like, stand up and like talk to her and then she these guys are just more polite than typical I think bachelor candidates or whatever yeah and she's like you don't even like you're not even acting like you want to be here for me it's like you're not acting like you want to give all these guys a chance when all you do is think about Dale and like the whole time in the background of her and Zach's date she's just comparing him to Dale and, like, no wonder it's awkward. It's because she's, like, wishing she was somewhere else. Like, that's just going to be an awful, like, first date for anyone. Right. Like, and then when, like, they did the they did the roast and she was, like, what did you say about Dale? And they were, and then she's, like, what has he said about me? And I'm, like, I don't know that. Crazy. Like, I don't know that I have watched enough of The Bachelorette to know this, but I don't think they're typically asking the other contestants about, like, the oh, other contestants. Never. Yeah. The, normally it's like the, all the guys would like come up to her and be like, oh, this guy is here for the wrong reasons. And, you know, it's kind of like a kiss of death on the show. If you bring another person up, you're going to get kicked off eventually. Because never a good sign if you're using your time with the bachelor or bachelorette to talk about someone else. Right. But then she's the one doing but it. But she's and the one doing it. And also the whole thing where she wanted them to have done like their homework on her. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, that's not how you meet people. Like, I don't know. Maybe it is now with the age of apps and things like that. But what is so exciting to me about, I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of drama. And again, a show I hate to love. But I think like that what's so exciting about this upcoming one is even though like obviously they're connected to The Bachelor or The Bachelorette somehow just because that's how it always works. So like there are things you can know about her. But like, it's not like these guys did their homework. It's not like um, Blake or whatever could have bought a book on dementia like he did. You know, like I just, which like sweetie, the fact that he did that love. But like, I just think. Yeah, she was like mad at that guy for not knowing anything about her. And it's like, that's why he's here to get to know you. Yeah. To you. And you're mad because he called you pretty, but doesn't know like the name of your family. And he's like, literally asking. He's literally asking. Like, Dale didn't know the name of your family, and you got engaged to him. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Dale. Feeling. Well, so I can say real quick, everything you said about the Zach J situation is everything that I was thinking, and, like, I felt really uncomfortable watching it when it happened, because I really felt bad for him, and how he, like, 
pulled her back and, like, tried to, like, grab her neck and kiss her was super not okay. Not okay. Yeah, not okay. Understood why, like, he, in the moment, was panicking, thinking he did something wrong because she told him, why'd you pull away? So he was trying to be, like, I'm not pulling away. Here, kiss me. And, like, totally handled it wrong. I do feel bad about that. I do respect, like, that she got triggered from that and didn't want to continue the relationship. But I also just felt him when Chris Harrison like broke up with him and sent him home I know he really had no chance now now he can't even be with Tasha. yeah which like he behaved poorly so like you get sent home when you behave poorly he behaved poorly and like he did something that wasn't okay but I also was kind of like but I also feel bad had a chance a lot of people are like obviously being mean to him on social media being like you put your hands on her neck and like not saying he's an abuser but like you know to like go on Twitter and have to like explain himself and it's like you should just lay low because I think most people understand you weren't in the wrong at first but you definitely didn't help yourself no and I don't really know that him defending himself is gonna no taken well he needs to lay low um now we talk about the one the only Dale Moss um I honestly I like him. I think he's cute. I think he's nice. I think I just get annoyed with him because of Claire, and that's not really fair because he hasn't done anything to annoy me. Yeah, I guess, like, what I want to talk about isn't even so much Dale. It's just – it's more Claire. And, like, this is something that I was sending – texting you about while I was watching because, like I said, I basically binged the whole thing this week. Like, I binged all four episodes this past week. Binge all four episodes. Binge all four. But, like, hey, that's, like, a good amount of TV when you have a full-time job. Um, And I – in, like, three days. This is Wednesday. We were recording on Wednesday. Um, And so I found myself getting so – like, I just – I found Claire to be, like, so insufferable. And, like, everything she did annoyed me. And I just feel like she's, like, immature and babyish. And she very much plays into, like, the, the, like, baby daddy trope. Um, that's my opinion. Even though she sees herself as like the strong, empowered war- woman, I I think she like flips that on its head sometimes. Which like, live your truth. But I I found myself getting so like frustrated and annoyed by her. Where I was like, is this internalized misogyny? Like, am I like, do I need to do some serious work here with the with how much I disliked her? Um, no. I feel that so hard because I had to question myself too. It's like, is she just like annoying and, it, or is she like being un, not unstable? I don't know. Like she kind of is unstable, but is it like misogynist to say that? Or are we just like speaking the truth? I guess like I am, I do think that like, I don't think getting engaged was necessarily the, the like, I don't think, and I already mentioned this. I just don't think that marriage needs to be the end goal at all. Like, sh- shout out to anyone that's engaged that wants to get married. Anyone that is married. Like, plenty of people in my life are married. But, like, shout out to my parents. Um, and it's not to say that, like, I don't want to do that at some point either. I just don't see that as, like, my end-all be-all goal. And I don't – and I also don't see that as – I understand that The Bachelor and The Bachelorette always end in a proposal. But I think also having – it just frustrates me that, like, that – I don't, if they were going to continue on with another season anyway, 
Like, I just don't understand why the season had to end in proposal. And to me, I, I do think that, like, ultimately, a, 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 the matter which I do very much respect Claire is that she was like, I don't want to waste these other guys' time because ultimately, like, this is over for me. And I do think that, like, that could have dragged, it did drag along even longer than it probably needed to, but it did it could have dragged along a lot longer where she had her mind made up. And I do believe like, again, yeah. I'm not like the most avid bachelorette watcher, but I do know that on like past seasons, you've kind of known who it was going to be. Yeah. Like, like the last few weeks, you know. I and, didn't watch JoJo's season, but people, and I think even producers said like, she gave her first impression rose to the guy she got engaged to. And she knew like first night she was probably going to marry him. But she still, like, did the actual season, which a lot of people liked because it's, like, you signed on to this and it is a TV show and you're going to do it. But I also can respect Claire where she was, like, I'm not – I don't want to waste their time. But she was also doing a very bad job faking it and, like, second week calling him her fiancé. And that's just, like, a little – it's weird. It's not a little weird. That's weird in my opinion. And – yeah. So it's like I just like do regardless of like whether or not I want to like be her friend which I do not I do like hope the best for her like I do wish the best for her and I just worry that like it's gonna blow up in her face like I just I don't feel I don't know maybe it is I I don't I haven't had like that when you know you know (laughs) experience before obviously because I am not married so (laughs) Um, I'm not in a relationship for those who are listening um (laughs) But I think I I listened to Girls Gotta Eat today. Shout out. Um, another yeah, they're my favorite podcast. Also, they're friends with Domas. So. Um, but they talked about how, like, they really trauma bonded over the death of their parents. And I think that's a super valid point. Never, like, trauma bonded with someone. Both my parents are still alive, thankfully. Um, so, but I'm sure if I was in that situation, I would definitely have a a deep connection for someone who could like connect with me on that level and understand what I was going through but I also hate the fact that Claire said that she followed these guys on Instagram in the four months that they postponed her season and almost made up this story of who Dale was just based off of his social media and like honestly had written off everyone else and just was like the way Dale was productive with his time and spent his time with his family, I was immediately drawn to him. And I'm like, social media is not real. You're literally portraying yourself as you want people to see also, it. Also, Dale's like an influencer. So his is super not real. And He's really an influencer. That's, that's just, I, I really hated that because, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm the type of person where my social media is like C plus at best, you know? And, like, when you get to know me, I'm so much cooler in person and so, like, can hold a conversation with anyone. And I would be, like, honestly really upset if someone just, like, instantly judged me based off of social media rather than getting to know me. Um, I guess that is, like, the whole point of it. (laughs) And I can never be an Instagram influencer because I'm so not good at being, like, present online. I use, like, social media as a joke kind of. Yeah. And I think that, um, what was really annoying to me when we were kind of, when all of that was kind of being unpacked, when she first meets him, when he first gets out of the limo, she then says like, I feel like I just met my 
I feel like I, re- I really think I just met my husband. And like, that's shock. That was like shocking to me when that happened. And obviously Chris Harrison appeared and was like, you know, you've got a while before you, you, you decide that, right? Like you got a minute before you have to know. And pause, don't say that. (laughs) He was like, no, no, don't say that. And I, I mean, her, if she had said that and like genuinely never seen him before and actually felt that, like felt those like butterflies, fireworks that people like describe, if she like genuinely felt that way, great. But like clearly now we're learning that like she had all this other stuff, like she had seen him and like stalked him and whatever and built up this picture of him and this character of him in her mind and I don't know also like sometimes you just like meet someone you're like oh my god haha and you think about like your future with them but that doesn't mean that that is like your your like soulmate (laughs) you know like I I don't know I think we all have or maybe I'm just gonna speak for myself I've definitely creeped on boys Instagram like they follow me and I follow them back and then I'm like does he think I'm cute? Are we like, are we dating? Are we my family? Like I have yeah. done that before. Yeah. So like, you know, in some grade you would write your boyfriend and your, like your last, their last name with your name in your binder. Granted you're 12 years old and don't know anything. Me but with like, horn from One Direction. Not, like I'm not trying to give like Claire a lot of shade, but like have I at, like at this age, not that I'm ready for marriage, but like granted we are like closer to the age group of a lot of like young people getting married than when we were in high school and middle school I don't just meet people and think are you gonna be my husband are we gonna have babies together like that is just not something that I as a young adult woman think when I meet people and like yeah she's she is on like a dating tv show so that is her perspective but I just think I don't know. I was always questioning if Dale truly had those same feelings for her because I think he definitely liked her and I think he definitely likes smooching her, but he is nowhere near the level of love at first sight that she felt. And I'm not going to spoil it for you, Nellie, because you haven't seen this most recent episode because in Tasha's first episode, they do show a little bit of an update from Claire and Dale. But you I'll just say, you well, at one point, Chris Harrison's like, what's next for y'all? And Claire says, Dale, Dale's like, oh, well, we're trying to figure that out. And Claire literally goes, babies. I was like, not on the same page in that perspective. And so that makes me think, like, I think Dale probably Yeah, I mean, because she's 39. She's like, I'm, I need to have kids. And Dale says, like, I do love her. And he says that to her, and they are still engaged. I don't know when that was filmed. But, like, I think he genuinely does love her, but she's, like, she's, like, obsessed with him, saying, all I've wanted in my life is for a man to show up, and he shows up for me. And it's, like, her examples are him holding her hand when she has anxiety and is walking around the pool. Like, I feel that is, like, the the bar is so low. Like, if that's all you need for a man to show up, like, that's not that much. Yeah. Also, Sorry. you had, you really did have 31 men showing up. Like, you did have, like, that is all they did. That is actually all they did. They show up. They all showed up. They all showed up. To talk to you, but at least they showed up. Right. 
Uh, anyway, well, maybe going forward we'll have little check-ins because I think I'm invested at this point. Yeah. Um, and I, like, really do like Dale. And I think he just – I don't know. I think Claire just really – I wish the best for them. I do wish the best for them. And I hope they prove us wrong. I do – just to, like, touch briefly on our final question – um, I think we've already talked about it a lot. I just, like, I would never make the argument that The Bachelorette is feminist, ever. I can't see myself making a, an argument of it being feminist because, and this just comes from, I think that, like, plenty of the people on, like, in The Bachelorette, regardless of representation, anything, like, they themselves can be feminist, but the, like, institution of Bachelor Nation is like inherently patriarchal like white male patriarchy and also like with marriage at the forefront and marriage is like a again i might very much buy into it at some point but like is a patriarchal institution um and there's like very much a way to do it in like a progressive and equal way but i don't know maybe maybe one day we'll have a conversation and you'll be like nelly do you think the bachelorette's feminist and I will come around on it but like I I I don't think I would ever make the argument that it is um so that's my that's just my opinion and it goes like I said it goes both ways because in this case there's plenty of represent or um examples in these first four episodes of how the patriarchy negatively affects men as well Mm -hmm. and so I think that's also like a huge part of my argument so yeah but I will still continue to watch it and fund their paychecks. So whatever. <laughs> Here I am watching it. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can say in good conscience that The Bachelorette is feminist. I think, I mean, I think you could make arguments. I'm thinking specifically last Bachelorette, Hannah Brown. She, she really impressed me with her journey from starting when she was in Colton season and couldn't even like toast, like say a toast. She couldn't even like put together a sentence to being the bachelorette. And like, I think she was really for a lot of young women in the sense of she was able to like send home this emotionally manipulator, Luke P. Um, and like, finally stand up for herself after he was extremely like um mentally and emotionally abusive and I think that was like empowering and a lot of people use that as an example of like this is a bad relationship he's a gaslighter if you know someone who's like him like get out of that relationship I think that was healthy I think for like women empowerment and women's sexuality it has made a lot, it, it has made grounds because I remember there was one bachelorette who got like slut shamed for having sex before the um, fantasy suite. So I think like every season it's getting more and more empowering. And I really think they were trying to do something with Claire here to be like, women can be 40 and they can be beautiful and they can be sexy, sexy. Sorry, my voice just was raspy. But it really, like, fell through, and Claire is not, was not a good representation of that. And I don't know if it was her age. I think it's just her personality. I was really excited for an older bachelorette because I was tired of the young drama that the 24-year-olds brought. Um, But I can only hope that it will get 
better as it goes on because like you said, it started in a super misogynistic like since and it was like super whitewashed and it also is still like very um heteronormative I don't know if we'll ever have a gay bachelor or bachelorette like it will take I think at least 20 plus years yeah I think it's gonna be other shows or it'll just be have to be a spin-off yeah unfortunately but I'm glad that you raised up kind of the positives because I think it's important to bring those to light as well. Yeah. Um, and you like, know much more about this than me, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've only started, like, like I said, I got obsessed and did, uh, did a bunch of research. So, I mean, I guess, you, like, I'm going to argue that it gets better each season and they try to continue that this season. But um, that has been overshadowed with the D- Dale and Claire drama. And I think... This next season with our first Black Bachelor, you know, I'm hoping that there's some, like, empowerment there and there can be some really good conversations and really good stories from that. Um, But I'm just going to continue to hope that each season it gets better and more empowering. But I think at the end of the day, like, like you said, where it came from is not empowering. And that's, I, I don't, I don't know if I could really call it a feminist show, but like you, I will still watch it each week. Um, so Pay and I collectively this week have um, one big action item, and it's basically to help out with the Georgia runoffs that are happening right now. Um, and so basically, uh, if you don't know, <laughs> there are two kind of high-profile U.S. Senate races, and that's uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock, who is the Democrat, versus Senator Kelly Loeffler, La- La- if I'm pronouncing their name right, the Republican, mm-hmm. and then John Ossoff, um, Democrat versus Senator David Perdue. Um, and this is basically, basically meaning that if Ossoff and Warnock defeat their opponents, the Democrats will take back, back control of the Senate, which would be obviously huge, and it could mean that like actual stuff could get done um, with this upcoming administration. And so this is just another kind of plug that like work is no longer, or there's still so much work to be done. And just because this presidential election kind of turned out in our favor, that doesn't mean stuff is over. We still need to keep our feet on the gas. Um, On November 18th, which is coming up one week from today when we're recording, um, absentee ballots will be mailed to those who requested one. And then December 7th is the voter registration deadline. Um, and then early voting begins on December 14th and then the election day is on January 5th. So if you're in Georgia, you likely already know that, but if you're not in Georgia or you are in Georgia and you know folks in particular that are turning 18 during this time frame, they will be able to eligible to vote in this runoff, even if they were not in the general election. So, um, if you know someone that lives in Georgia, that's eligible to vote, that's going to turn that age at that time, make sure they're registered to vote. Um, And then also some ways that you can help even if you don't live in Georgia. You can sign up for phone banking uh, through, let me just plug, mobilize.us. If you go to mobilize.us, this is how I I did phone banking through Mobilize. It was really easy. It's a little bit scary at first, but once you do it, it's great. And if you talk to some folks, um, I actually spoke to folks in Georgia (laughs) when I was, that's where I did most of my phone banking was in Georgia for um, for Biden, but then also talking about Ossoff and um, other candidates and 
folks were, um, I had a lot of really honestly uplifting calls with folks, um, particularly like men that were like, yeah, I'm voting, I'm voting blue down the ballot, which like gave me so much hope, especially as a northerner who has all my own internalized, um, I don't know, messiness in terms of my opinion of the South, even after living there. So I was, I appreciate always getting those, those blue men. Um, yeah. And then you could also donate to, um, a variety of uh, organizations, but ultimately I'm just going to plug those two candidates' campaigns, donate to their campaigns and support them. Um, pay, I don't know if you want to add anything or just echo that. Well, I was just going to, um, I was actually going to name organizations you can donate to. Black, Vote, Black Voters Matter Fund. Um, they help advocate um, for more Black communities uh, to vote, the ACLU of Georgia, they are intensely involved in protecting Georgia's voter rights in the courtrooms and at polling stations. The New Georgia Project is a well-regarded effort to register and engage voters, and they enrolled over 500,000 people to vote. Um, the NAACP in Georgia, they have a partnership with Lyft to facilitate voting. Um, and Fair Fight. It's a nationwide group combats voter suppression and promotes free and fair elections. And its home base is in Georgia. So all of those um, places are great options to donate if you can or further look into see how you can help with this. So um, in honor of our first woman person of color VP elect, we're, instead of sharing a quote from The Bachelor and entertaining anything like that, we're sharing a quote from um, VP, Madam VP-elect Kamala Harris. And she said, quote, my mother used to tell me, she would tell my sister, my mother would look at me and she'd say, Kamala, you may be the first to do many things, but make sure you are not the last. And that's why breaking those barriers is worth it. As much as anything, it is also to create that path for those who will come after us. This has been Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens. Bye. See you next week, court jesters. <laughs>